question around advocacy because you're you're one of the developer advocates that I look up to and I, I really admire your work and I use Amplify and, and y'all's team as an example of some of the great educational content and just keeping the developer at the heart of all things. Um, I agree. I heard recently that someone suggested that developer relations, the new term for developer relations is really developer experience. Um, I kind of view them as separate things related but separate things, but I'd love to just have a quick debate. I mean, we've all been in this industry for a while doing this work. What do you think about that? Well, I look up to both of you as well. So <laughs> Thank you. I, You're making a mistake for me, but definitely I'm not. <laughs> You've been around longer than either of us. Yes. Mm. Of not something I want to advertise. <laughs> Sorry. Age does not equal wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, you were saying that you got promoted to L7 before I graduated college. So. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know the dates. I was just telling. And it wasn't, you made it sound like a brag, too. We were doing this off mic, if uh, anyone's listening. And it was around, uh, for those that don't know, I think it's actually a, a pretty cool piece of Amazonian history. Uh, Jeff always felt like you needed to be as close to the customer as possible. And... So you go to this training when you reach a certain level at Amazon where they show you all these pictures of Jeff uh, on forklifts and like pallets and he was shipping all the books. And that's where if you're in Seattle and you can pack like packages for customers around the holidays, all that comes from Jeff. And I got to actually ship customer containers and it was very, I loved it. I loved seeing and it's real orders. It's like, forget pushing code to production. You've got a customer order coming and you got to pick the right box and don't mess it up, Dave. You know, it's like that. It's, it's real stuff. It's like you're not you're not working in a test environment, you know. So anyway, uh, yeah. advocacy. So the yeah. go, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I see our team as an end to end developer experience team. Personally, we do a lot with advocacy of making sure that we're external facing and doing education and speaking and blog posts and all those things. But I also think it's really important on my team that we're helping to improve the product. So being in those early product meetings and then also we do heavy friction logs for any new feature that's coming out. And so what that is, is we go through and build an app with something new that's launching, for example, Amplify Studio. And we write down all the steps that we took to build that app. And we color code each thing red, yellow, green. So green, hey, engineers, you did such a great job on this. Huge props. Yellow is, hey, this thing has a little bit of friction around it. It shouldn't block the launch. But here's how this could be easier for developers to use. Red is, hey, this thing is broken. Developers are going to quit if we don't fix this. And we have a process of tracking all of that. And I know that uh, metrics is always like a huge topic in developer advocacy. And that's actually one of the areas on my team that we track is how many of our product feature requests are implemented into the product. And so for me, at least, I see us as kind of the first customers a lot of the time, making sure that we're giving a huge amount of product feedback. And I think that's one of the real benefits, too, of having developer advocates instead of just people who work for the company instead of just external ones. And that is that we get to be embedded on this product team and make sure that we are contributing back to the product as well. Yeah, I... 
So I'll give you my take on it. I'm like, how much, how much exposition do I need to give? Um, I feel <laughs> all like... the exposition, Dave. We are here for it. All, the all right. So, in the tech sector, advocacy, evangelism, all of that, I think it's still the same as it is today. It's the person in that kind of role is a continuous learner. They love learning new things. Sometimes they feel like they're going to burst if they don't tell people about how cool it is. They have a hard time fitting into all these different square pegs. It's like, I don't want to sit in meetings all day and do budgets. And I, yes, I could write code all day, but if I wrote code all day, I'd always be looking at the new thing. And it's that passion goes forth into your relationship with the customer, whether it's a developer or not, that type of person, you know, different companies call them customer advocates and that type of person. I have certainly had this my whole career. I mean, I started doing evangelism at Microsoft in 2006, 2007. And it's because it's not a well-known defined thing. It's whatever that person makes it out to be. So you could do an advocacy job completely different than I could. And we're both great at what we do. But the commonality between us is we really do care about doing the right thing. We can we have high empathy and emotional intelligence on an actual customer and the person using that. And we sympathize with them. And we're just con a continual learner. And uh, the exposition is, to me, it really started uh, with DirectX. So this is like 94, 95. Uh, there was a guy, St. John, at Microsoft who be kind of became, when Gates was asking to create this new gaming API, because back then it was OpenGL and everything was fragmented. And there was this real push to kind of unify gaming on Windows. He was just, and he's the guy Kawasaki. So if you ever read Guy Kawasaki's book at work, working at Apple too, he went out and just talked to software developers and evangelized why stuff was cool, right? And it's the same thing with St. John uh, and DirectX. It's one person. And so it was always a unique individual, continual learner, super passionate, could get the tech and explain it to normal people, right? And as the industry grew, I felt like the industry started to recognize people as like that as important. And you know, I did not see a role, gosh, it was like 2008, like it was literally a new role at Microsoft when I was going there too. And I started out, they used to call it breadth and depth or industry. So I was coming from a pharmaceutical background. So it was, oh, you're passionate about pharma. And I was like, no, it was just a job. But I went and talked to health and life sciences companies. And then there was advocates who went and talked to financial services companies. And so getting things working on Wall Street. But again, it doesn't matter what industry, like, I feel like there's advocates everywhere. It's that it gets back to that unique individual. And I always make a joke. But I think it's true, especially in developer advocacy. Your first year is when you write your blog post. What is a developer advocate, right? <laughs> and it's because we've all had our own journey. And it's like that, you know, what did I do? And and that's what I, I tell people is it's everyone is a, every advocate's a unique unicorn solving unique problems in unique ways. And we need more of them. And obviously I haven't left that role for a long time, but you'll never get away. It doesn't matter what company, you'll never get away trying to explain what it is you do other than being passionate and helping, you know, people. And I love it. So anyway, for sure. sorry for the long-winded answer. No, 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 no. And all the developer advocate teams at AWS operate like totally 
differently. Which is really and I love that. Yeah. And yeah, it's important to be that way. Yeah. It's even more different from company to company too. Yes. It doesn't make it so it's more legitimate on one team or less legitimate on another. It's just that it is a role that's still pretty pretty new and yeah. an industry that's pretty new. And each team is going to have different needs for that org. And I know that well, ours is very different than like yours, Emily. And I think you captured something earlier, being this first customer and showcasing early on in the process what developers expect from services, what developers want from services, and then what developers need from services. Because those for me are different different categories of things. There's a lot of overlap. <laughs> but I, I also, you know, I've worked for the top two most, I guess, ubiquitous clouds at this point. And for me, developer advocacy at large cloud organizations, the most valuable work I do that will never be seen by anyone is one, stopping really bad ideas from being shipped. <laughs> and two, that, doing that early, that early product, trying to help shape the service um, not only from, you know, a feature set, but also a story set and making sure that it's conveyed and that educational material is there so that when the service actually gets shipped, it's a good experience for people. Um, but that's not something that really gets recognized when we talk about developer relations because it's this, you're visible, you're on stage, you're on Twitter, whatever it is, uh, it's that sort of external facing, but the internal aspect really? is... Yeah, that's the most impactful. Tip of the iceberg, and there are so many developer yeah. advocates that don't even have that tip of the iceberg. They're really, really internal yes. facing, and that's perfectly legitimate as well. Like I know the three of us are all, you know, all over social media, but yeah, I'm just well, I'm with social media now. Once in a while, I'll have some AWS thing. I'm just giving out positivity. <laughs> you all are doing the real. The real I stuff. mean, yeah, I, I'm way less. Or ch I'm trying to be less visible, trying to hide out a little bit more. I, Same. You know, I heard um, I heard a term. Someone told me, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking about advocacy at a big tech company, the term is intrapreneur. And I was like, oh, I came to the self-realization. I'm, I'm like, I guess I'm that. And she was explaining it to me. She's like, I've always been an intrapreneur. She's like, you're an intrapreneur from what you're telling me. And I'm like, what is it? She's like, you love creating new things. You love listening to customers and you love ideas. You're very entrepreneurial like that, but you're not about starting and taking all of this risk and trying to, ch you want the resources of a huge company behind you so that you can move things in that way. And, and a lot of times you wind up creating the job that you love that doesn't exist as an entrepreneur because you see that opportunity and you can do that. And I feel like what you were describing at some of the advocates there too, or are entrepreneurs too, where they're doing real change internally, uh, you know, but externally it's, it's, it's part of this, this product. Definitely. Definitely. A lot of it is shaping the role yourself and also being a product owner in a lot of ways too, of saying, Hey, if this is not something that I am proud to share with somebody else, this is probably not something that I should let go live. Like it's probably not something that we should be launching right now. We should probably take it back to the drawing board for a little bit and make sure that we're fixing all the bugs before this goes out to somebody else. Because 
every time that oh, we yeah. put something out there, we're putting our reputations on the line too. Like I'm not going to put something out there that I, I wouldn't use myself and that I'm not proud of to say, hey, yes. this is this is awesome. I'm not going to lie and put my reputation on the line. Like, Yes. This is what I love about Amazon too. The time you've been here doesn't matter. If you're good at what you do and you have the data to back it up. So this is a real quick story I think people will like. So this goes back to 2013. I had just whatever chief evangelist for gaming is, that's what I was at Microsoft. And I had talked to a ton of different uh, indie devs and worked with Xbox and all that. And HTML5 was like this next big thing, right? Apple had killed off Flash and games were moving that way. There's a tutorial out on LinkedIn of me with HTML5 games on Windows 8. So I'm in this room and there are all these VPs. Some of them are S-team reporting in the Jeff. And I can tell this story. It's so long ago. And it's my second week, first time out there in Seattle. And they've there's this whole plan to launch within two weeks an HTML5 platform for App Store. Well, at the time, it was just App Store and Android where devs had to host it. And I was like, you're out of your mind, you know me. I'm like, you cannot ship this because it means the more popular you become, the bigger your bill. And we don't even have support in that in cloud. Like, we can't launch this thing. Uh, and they're like, well, how do you back that up? And I kind of talked about different scenarios. And they, and they said, okay. And this was the VP at the time. Uh, and he was like, okay, well, we'll table that one. And they halted the launch. And I was there two Dang. weeks. And I walked out of the room and I asked my boss, I was like, is that a CLM? career limiting move, right? Which you hear in a lot of companies. And he goes, no, that's exactly what you should be doing at Amazon. And that kind of, it blew me away. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. I feel like that advocates, if, because we're so integrated with what's real, it's like a reality check, you know, Bezos talks about anecdotes being the most important piece of information, right? So that's fascinating. I wanted to ask, um, we've all been on Twitter, done the Twitter thing and other platforms. I don't mean to limit us to Twitter. You can, you can do other things. The TikTok I have said before. I do Instagram stories, Emily. I've been doing oh, wow. that. Although it's only close friends. Yeah. yeah. It's all like inspirational and, and music and stuff. Oh, that's Sun nice. Games. I like it. it. I put one video on TikTok and the comments, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm all right. I don't you need to do this account. Don't go on as Emily. Go on as Bob. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some random guy in tech. Guys, you know, you, you've been in tech for 35 years and then just like have like strong mm -hmm. Emily opinions. I okay. think it'll be I a like funny it. account. But do we, I, I can't tell if I'm tired of Twitter. Like Ali said, I'm trying to hide that resonated deep in my soul. Uh, or has Twitter changed? I don't find Twitter as enjoyable as it was two, three years ago. Yeah. I'm not sure if we changed or Twitter changed. I also so tech Twitter, tech yes. Twitter has yeah. changed. Okay, it used to be about community, and now it's about politics and all the other horrible things going in the world. Just start following. If you want to take your account in a different direction, start following different people. Start getting different feeds. Start muting people, and you'll see there's other things out there. Yeah, <laughs> when I was like 22, and that's when I was like, you know tweeting all the time, blogging all the time, YouTubing all the time, doing all these conference talks. And I feel like I've just yeah. become a different The whole community person. was there. And it's, it's, time, well, I, yeah. I, I felt like that's where, you know, I was at Microsoft, that's where all my MVPs were. And we were talking all day, even in an Alexa going yeah. back, you know, six years, it was like, people were like, I love this. This is great. Nice job. Like just saying you're good. Like there was that, there was no tearing people down. 
And it's yeah. very open. So I think that's just the sign. And maybe that's the sign of other communities in on social too. Maybe it's not just a problem with tech, Twitter, yeah. you know, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> totally. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the, the arguments are one thing, but also just like the kind of spammy posts too. Of mm-hmm. Like, I just learned what ML is yesterday. Let me write a thread about it and act like I'm this like expert ah. on it. People follow yes. for it too. And it's like, yeah. oh my goodness. you look at their bio and it's like, I just started learning <laughs> code yesterday. It's like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's there you go. Uh, I know. Kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I mean, not oh, saying you shouldn't share what you're learning while you're learning it or anything yeah. like that. It's just the portrayal of some folks as experts because they look a certain way and then other people as idiots because we look another way. That yes. bothers me. Oh, harassment and misogyny we experience every day oh, on yeah. a platform where we are publicly visible? What, Ellie? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's torture. I, um, I certainly don't feel that way. And I've brought up my daughters in a way and then I, I try to conduct myself in a way and it always breaks my heart when I hear you all say this. And you it is a thing and it's constant and I, you're not the only ones that yeah. tell me this every time. I feel powerless to kind of change it other than the step in when I see things. Yeah, um, keeping I, other um, people accountable, I think, is the best. Yeah, the, what I would ask folks and bodies that have traditional power, that would be lovely. <laughs> um, final question before we wrap up: Are you doing anything with Reinvent this year? Yes. Tell yes. me. Speaking. Yay! I don't think we've ever announced yet, but okay, I'm excited. Yay! Oh, that's All awesome. Right. I'm excited yeah. too. How about you both? Yes, we're going to do a push around this podcast and then oh. I'll I'll be doing I'll be running around, but I'm trying not to run my own session this year. I was very I tired last year out. and I what felt like that was awesome. You got to do the doing one. And that's it. Yes. Or, I think that's yeah. smart. Yeah. I did 3 last year. That was too much. <laughs> that was like, yeah. Oh wow. Really I don't think I've ever done year. 3. Yeah. 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 I was bad. And then in the keynote, I was at like rehearsals until like 9 p.m. every night too. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to describe. I work with the leadership sessions, which are like baby keynotes. And it's really hard to describe the sheer amount of work and time that goes into those. I'll call them performances because that's, I think what they are. But yeah. Last year when you went up with Werner, I was like, I know her. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) It was great. It really was. You killed it. (laughs) It was fun. Yeah, and you were on stage with Ken too. Everyone loved yours. Pack uh, the Sands yeah. Theater, yes. and we both crushed it. I made it. My my claim to fame around that is we we made a, a joke around um, garbage collection, and I just think that's one of the highlights of my career. I remember <laughs> that. I got that audience to laugh around garbage collection. <laughs> so you told me that joke ahead of time. Yeah, we were, I think we were doing, and you're like, "What do you?" And I was like, "Oh, it's so awesome." Yeah, it came from a, I won't mention his name because I haven't had permission, but it came from um, someone who works on that project and is absolutely brilliant. He's like, you could put this in. I was like, that is amazing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Allie, what are you, what are you excited about and where can people find you? Yeah. Well, I'm excited still about studio. To me, it's like, you know, my, (laughs) I don't want to say like baby, but it's like my project that. I've been working on for so long and I'm so excited about it. And I think it's so cool. And even if I didn't work on it, like I would still be an avid customer of this, but uh, you can find me. We talked about Twitter. So I'm a spittle on there and 
I, I pretty much think I'm Ace Fiddle everywhere on the internet. So you can just find me there. Yeah. It's a uh, great last I, name. It's very unique. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Very unique. I'm, and I feel like I said it wrong now. Now I feel <laughs> embarrassed. Saying, I, said, I said it all fancy like Spittel, but you're saying Spittle. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's much less fancy so, than that. You, I you apologize. I say everything wrong, right. which is why I think I'm just going to have Emily introduce everyone from now on because <laughs> it is a thing. You're good. You made it sound better than it is. I used to say archive. Uh, then people made fun of me speaking of pharma because I, they're like, Hey Dave, are we going to the Mac cafe today? Cause I used to say Mac cafe instead of McAfee. Uh, this, a anything that you can say wrong, I say it. it reminds me of Napoleon dynamite where he's like, have them casadillas, give, give her them casadillas, Napoleon. You know, it's like, I don't know, but I do apologize. You do no, have an awesome no, name no. and thank you so much for taking the time to come back. I'll have to do thank another one. So Thank you. Bye.